this episode, we have a lot going on for you tonight, and we're going to be talking about rocking October. We got a lot of baseball coming up and a lot of the best games here in this next month, so it's pretty exciting to see this. Um, but first, my name is Logan Talkington, and I'm with my guy, Jacob Hennessy, and we'll be talking playoffs, baseball, and also how bad the Cubs were this year. Before that, though, how are you, Jacob? I was doing pretty good before you brought up the whole Cubs thing. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm beating a dead obviously horse. Obviously not the way you want to end the season. But, hey, you know what? Get a chance to let Joe Madden have a couple of his fun lineups before you know he gets run out of town by Theo, uh, which you'll be discussing later as well. But overall, not too bad of a week. Uh, kind of excited to watch the postseason, even though the Cubs aren't in it this year. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into the, the current events. The one guy that I'm sure most of you out there have heard of, uh, Pete Alonzo. We talk a lot about him on here. He set the rookie record for home runs. Uh, he set it at 53 and beat the previous record was held by Aaron Judge. So that 53 will put him over the top. And honestly, I don't know how someone's going to top that. But then again, I guess we're never going to really know because no one can tell what's coming up in the minor leagues as of right now. Yeah, true. Um, and, I mean, also, he could just hit 70 home runs next year. I wouldn't be upset if he did that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Huh. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool to go back-to-back setting the rookie and then setting the all-time. <laughs> my dark horse right now, uh, I think I had a dark horse the other day, but I think my new dark horse is Nick Castellanos if he stays with the Cubs. I think he could easily hit 65 home runs in a year. He's kind of a scary guy. Uh, Yeah, I could agree. I mean, you saw it. He hit. And I think if he was in the if he was in the Cubs organization the entire year playing at Wrigley, I think he would have been on pace to hit about what was what do we determine? It was like forty five to fifty, I think, somewhere in that range. And you, so yeah, he would definitely. I mean, be you a, don't even know too. High dark because like the conditions in Chicago are a little bit different than Detroit, so you could be looking at sixty. Yeah, you definitely could. I mean, he's definitely a dark horse. Uh. Schwarber turned down as of late. Obviously, Eugenio Suarez kind of figures to be a guy that's going to be in, in the race for that 60-plus next year as well if we're going to kind of take guesses at this point. I mean, if he keeps it up. It's a bit. I mean, Eugenio Suarez, he's been improving every year with his home run totals. Yeah, he has been, but, I mean, he wasn't really relevant until the end of the year. And if he keeps this up, I mean, absolutely I'm all for him, and I think he could be the home run leader next year. It's just, you know. I mean, he, he does play in Cincinnati. As long as he stays there, there's a good chance of that happening. Yeah, but... Yes, sir. Um, I mean, you know... The other thing I want to talk about is uh, the fact that we've kind of always looked at all these new rule changes, trying to... And the entire purpose of them is pace play, pace play. They want to speed baseball games up. Well, little known fact... This year was the longest average game time in MLB history. Love it. So all the rule changes they made actually had a, a, the opposite effect on games. I believe games were, on average, three hours and five minutes, which is 15 minutes longer than the other total, which I believe was back in 2005. Uh, obviously, I mean, it was good. they're going to try to find a way to get more changes until it works. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be a baseball game. And you can't really force anyone to really speed up the game, mm. which is just kind of what the whole new regime is, is they want to make 
the games quicker, but you're never going to get to that point without taking a ton away from the game of baseball itself. If you were the commissioner of the league, what would you do about this? Nothing. Nothing? You let it keep going? No. I think the way that baseball is played today is the perfect way to play baseball. I don't think you need to change anything about it in order to make the game better. I think the game is great as the way it is right now, and uh, all these changes are really not for mo- the majority of people that watch baseball understand what they're getting into when they start watching a game. You know, I don't understand. If you're not ready to sit for three hours to watch a baseball game, why are you going to a baseball game? I completely agree, but there are people out in the world who don't love baseball. They just love going to the game. And you could bring them in more if you had more entertainment, which is kind of what I'm going to go into. I think Eric Sim on Twitter said this one time, but there should be cheerleaders at the game. Like, that's an attraction for a lot of guys. I mean, you know, attraction to maybe two stores, entertainment, and also they're not bad to look at. But, you know, having cheerleaders there add a little bit more, you know, pep to it. And just instead of having a mascot, I mean, you don't have to have them on top of the dugout. Like, that might be a little bit of a hazard. But, you know, add a little bit of entertainment to the game, you know, and – there's a lot of different things they can do too, but I don't think changing the fundamentals of the game is really going to help that. I think it's going to kind of take away from that. And really, if they want to make things better, they just need to kind of watch what like hockey is like one good example that I could think of that in between, like, you know, the different periods, they're doing a lot of different things that are pretty cool. So like they'll go out in the middle of the ice and they'll do something, you know, like a game or they'll have like something where, just something's going on all the time and you have really loud music. You have everybody feeling good time to go to the bathroom, time to get a drink. But if you just had more of that, maybe in between innings, like allowing people to have more entertainment, maybe that'd help. So would you suggest then you would like increase the amount of time in between innings then to allow this to happen? You know, that's the thing that is also a little bit tough, but I think adding a minute in between innings wouldn't be really that wrong. And I think you could do the entertainment outside because I know a lot of teams do that, but I think you can make it even better. Instead of like, I know the Cardinals for a fact, whenever you go to a game, they'll have like, oh, trivia during like the sixth inning. And then they'll have like a little thing where they're like, oh, you have to run like to this like hotel down the street and you have to like do the step with this, like the step thing. And it's like, okay, like that's kind of cool or whatever, but it's not really entertaining me. It's just like, oh, he's looking stupid yeah. right now. Well, I mean, like the, like the Milwaukee Brewers have their – they're like I think it's like a sausage, a hot dog. I love it. Uh, Ita- Italian sausage, and then there's like a pole of sausage. Uh, there's like four different things that race, and I think it's after like I want to say the fifth inning. Like when we went to see the game, like when I went up there for a Brewers game, uh, that that's an entertaining spot. It was a it was the Brewers Cubs game, and it was kind of a blowout. But you saw a lot of people would stick around for it happened late in the game, mm-hmm. stuck around in a blowout game just to watch it. And you see the stands kind of empty out after that happens. So maybe you kind of do that a couple times if you're the Brewers. But uh, yeah, definitely. I, I agree that they need to do something in the middle. It would definitely help the game as well. But uh, like like the freeze, like that's perfect. Like I just thought of that. Yes. The freeze down on land, like that is a great example of entertainment. Like. I would stay to the ninth inning of a game, even if it's like 15 to nothing, just to see him race some random guy and to watch that random guy get smoked in a race. I would love that. Oh, yeah, those are a lot of fun too. I totally agree. Uh, but I, like you said, I think that you can add stuff to the game to make it more entertaining 
without taking away from the game itself because the game of baseball is perfect the way it is you know? in my in my opinion the actual game portion is perfect because you can't really change anything without changing the way people play. You know, and honestly, I wouldn't be upset if, like, there was a couple innings where in between innings it was longer. Because I was thinking about that, like, maybe not every inning, but, like, after the fifth inning, you can have an extra, like, three minutes so people could go to the bathroom, get some more beer before, like, the beer shuts down in the seventh inning. So okay. you could do that. And then, so kind of like a halftime, yeah, like a halftime kind of thing. Like, oh, this is like the fifth inning, fifth inning stretch before the seventh inning stretch, the fifth inning run. Put okay. it right now, fifth <laughs> inning run because everybody has to run to go to the concession stand, get their drinks because they're going to be running out of drinks soon. So they need their drinks, they need to get their food, and they need to make sure they go to the bathroom, and then they can come back and watch the rest of the baseball game and not have to worry about having like some random guy yelling at you, be like, cold beer, cold beer. You could just go get it yourself if you want, you know. Well, would you still not want the so you don't want the guys walking oh, no. around trying to sell beer? I want more of those guys, and okay, I want them so like just <laughs> absolutely being more entertaining. Like yes. neon, like they're already in the neon. I want like flashing lights, like flashing lights all over them, and I want them just like having speakers on them and just having a great time. Like absolutely amazing. Like you can dance for free beer as long as you're over the age of 21. You know, like have one guy would be like, all right, if you dance right now, and like I'll give you free beer, like. Love it. I love it too. I think a lot of these changes would be cool to see in the MLB. Hire me for uh, the commission. I don't. I think it needs. I think it needs to be outside of the field of of, of the game itself. I completely agree that. With that. The only thing I would me. say is like to change the game is have like an extra like three or four minutes in the fifth inning, and I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And the people wouldn't care about the length of the game. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, like I can just go to the bathroom real quick. I'm not really hurting anything." not missing the game either exactly so much better it's like going to a movie yeah, like no, you don't I, want to miss a part of the movie like you're like oh i'm already here and i have to go to the bathroom so i'm just going to be uncomfortable for the rest of this just make the fans happier yes i agree i love i love those ideas but all right and i think yo, go ahead yeah. i was gonna say i think it's time to move past oh hey same yeah no beating the dead horse <laughs> i was gonna talk about the coaching carousel um you know it would actually be interesting to see a real carousel of coaches, but uh, I don't think this is what this is about, you know. This is actually about all the coaches getting fired right now. Um, I don't know where to start. I know where I want to start, but I won't start there. Uh, the Angels fired Osmus. I mean, you know, Brad Osmus hasn't been really the best coach. Uh, he has a pretty talented roster, and he really hasn't been able to do what he should have been doing this past couple of years. So he's like, he's not really the quality of coach they need so maybe they'll hire somebody maybe they'll hire the next guy who is joe madden i it's the head scratcher for me um you as a cubs fan i have a little bit more like in-depth ideas of what this really would be about and like maybe like tell me why they fired him but you know he was the first guy to bring a world series to chicago he's been a great coach absolutely phenomenal he led a great team this year i mean as much as i say they were bad they just played in a tough division, so he really didn't have much room for any air, and he didn't have the pitching staff really to lead him into the postseason. So it's kind of a head-scratcher why they would get rid of this guy. Um, I know every team has their own quips with a coach, like the Cardinals sometimes hate Schilt because he doesn't play certain players. But, I mean, Madden, I mean, maybe he misutilizes the bullpen at times, but I think he's a pretty good coach. And, I mean, there's other teams, too, looking for new coaches. So, maybe he can land, you know, the Giants, Padres, Pirates, Royals, somewhere in there. He's he's going to get hired. He should get hired. But what do you think about the whole Joe uh, Madden thing? I, 
the whole Joe Madden thing, two things I want to include on this. Uh, well, before I get into Joe, I'm going to talk about Brad Ausmus guy you mentioned earlier. Uh, kind of surprised by this firing because he only this was only his first Lots. year in LA. So and and in a 90 loss season, it was 72 and 90 when you lost your best player. Realistically, like we talked about, there's nobody else around Mike Trout, and I mean, uh, you you lost him with almost 30 games. And you didn't have a starting pitcher throw more, start more than 20 games all year. I think Andrew Heaney was the closest. I think he had 17 or 18. And you also had Tyler Skaggs died in the middle of the year too. You had to deal with all that stuff. So I think for the amount of stuff that he went through during That's the game, um, d- or during the season as a whole, and especially that game falling right up after it, and probably those last that month after that, uh, after the death of Skaggs. He went through a lot of stuff, and just to let him go like that after one season, it's kind of ridiculous in my mind. Uh, going on to Joe Madden, the other one that I think is uh, very expected almost is I think Madden's going to get hired by the Angels. He's got a home out there. He loves it out there. I think they're going to put in a huge offer to him, and that's where he's going to he's going to be. It's going to be a three- to five-year contract out there in Los Angeles, and I think the Angels are going to be a very – they're they're probably gonna be able to contend for the postseason next year with the with the with the Astros because they have a good they actually do have a pretty good pitching staff when you look at it you're getting show high back on the mound as well which is gonna be a huge help for them I think Joe Madden's gonna end out in L A and at the same time like I'm a little bit pissed that the Cubs fired Madden but I mean I understand it it's been three years since the World Series. Because they won it in 2016, it's been two. But it's been three years. Is it his fault though? And it's a little bit. It's a little bit of his fault. A little bit on the players, and it's a little bit on. There are people now breathing down Theo Epstein's neck, saying you need to do something to get us back to World Series contention. And I guess this is just where it pick is. What is my went to is let's get a new manager. Uh, early reports are the guy that they're really looking at, David Ross. To become the next Chicago Cubs manager. Um, as a Chicago f- Cub fan, I think I would like that. As a baseball, as a baseball fan, fan, I don't, I don't think, think so. I like that. Like, I know the Cubs are really big on Grandpa Ross. Like, I lived with some Cubs fans for a while there, and they loved him, especially for what he did in the World Series. But I don't know if that's right. I mean, catchers usually do make pretty good coaches but is he the caliber of coach that you really want i i personally don't feel like he would make a i think he'd make a fine coach he'd be as good as it would be like like a brad Ausmus situation situation where maybe if he has a better lineup better rotation he's good but i don't like he's he's very baseball smart david ross is but i don't know how well he'd be able to do at maintaining a bullpen is my biggest issue with him is I don't know how well he'd be able to maintain the bullpen where uh, you need to be able to have a guy that can be the, can be the guy for you and be healthy during, and you can have a healthy guy who is at his full strength every single day to be able to compete in late innings. And I don't know how well he'd be able to handle that because he's never done anything like that before in his career. Yeah. That's the same issue I have with him. He's been it's an just... analyst. 
I don't know. There's a lot of variables that go on there. And, I mean, who knows who they're going to hire. It's just they probably have somebody in mind already, like you said, and it probably might be David Ross. But whoever's in mind has to be a good coach for them to let go of Madden because Madden is good. Maybe the feelings were mutual. Madden was like, fire me. I mean, that. I mean, he probably didn't want to leave Chicago, but Joe Madden's mindset in his entire life has just been like, you know, whatever happens, happens. I mean, it's Joe Madden. He's very relaxed, very laid back. I Great mean, manager. He probably doesn't care that much. He'll he'll get another job. He says he wants a coach next. He said he, I believe it's three to five more years he wants a coach before he's going to retire. Uh, and then going next section, speaking of retiring, I mean, we got the Giants and the Royals both had their head coaches retire this season. So, who's going to be able to replace them out in those two spots as well? We need they need new coaches as well. Uh, one of the guys that I'm sure you've heard a lot about, and you've seen him. He he took you to a World Series. Oh yeah, Matheny. He might get hired somewhere. I mean, I think it's gonna be the Royals because he works with the Royals right now. But he does. Uh, honestly, there's also been talk of him in Philly. Huh. There's also been talk about him going to Philly and Philadelphia firing their current head coach as well. I'm sorry to any fans that he ends up with. I did not like him as a manager. <laughs> I thought he was very, very subpar at everything he did. Like, I couldn't see him being a good manager to today's players. I mean, maybe in 20 years ago, like he would have been a, a fine manager, but he's very straight to the point. He has no personality, nothing funny about him, and he's just like straight to the point. He's like, yeah, we had a bad game today. And I never really liked him. Um, press conferences, I never really liked the decisions he made. Um, I'm a big fan of Schilt. I think he's a player's guy. I think he really goes out there and he gives us all every single day. And I absolutely love him way more than him. But sorry to any fans who have to deal with Matheny. I, I apologize. <laughs> but moving on to the next piece here, um, we got some crazy little stats um, from the season. The season was, you know, definitely one for a lot of crazy different stats popping up all year long. So, I mean, the first one of those is 15 walks by Tim Anderson, but he won the American League batting title. This is the fewest walks by a batting champs since 1902, and the guy was Nap Lahoy, and he had a 378 average back then. Um, you know? That's insane. That's high. That is pretty high for 1902. He was a good hitter, I guess, you know? But Never heard of him, though. <laughs> 15 walks in a season? I don't know. Is that, like, he's aggressive? Or is that the fact that, I mean, like it probably is the fact that he's aggressive. and But he still hits the ball well, so. Oh, yeah. Tim Anderson is a great hitter. Uh, and, obviously, they love him in Chicago, too. You saw him. Did you see the the video of him walking off the field getting a standing ovation? Yes. Goes, puts on his, I guess it would be like a hot top almost, and walks back up to the top of the steps and takes another ovation half an inning later. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to be in Chicago a long time, uh, and he's he's going to be kind of one of those cornerstone guys. He's going to be like an Anthony Rizzo. He's basically like Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs mm-hmm. is what he is to the Chicago White Sox, where he's just going to be a guy that's going to be around for a long time. And you know they love him on the south side. It's going to be fun to see those south siders coming up. Because, I mean, got a lot of talent. And Kopech's coming back soon. So, hey. We're going to see some fire there. Yeah. Um, They're going to be a great pace. And we can move on here to the next one, too. Um, This is one of those stats that uh, I kind of almost don't believe. But it's 
you know, I guess it's possible to be very, very, very bad. Um, the Indians were um, the Indians' record versus the Tigers this year was 18 and one, and the Astros' record versus the Mariners was also 18 and one. So, in a season where you play 19 games, I mean, how do you get blown out that much? Like you see that team a lot. Like you think that they would scrap up more than one? They should at least. I mean, I know the Astros are pretty good. And I know the Indians are. They're decent, but the Tigers are just really, really bad. What do you think about that? Um, well, I mean, the the one that makes more sense is definitely the Astros versus the Mariners. Uh, like, you go down and you look at that Astros rotation, and there were four guys that are potential Cy Young Award winners. Granke's not going to be on any list for a Cy Young Award based on the fact they played half in the NL, half in the A. Yeah. So he's not going to be able to win the award in either league. Which is, but if you look at his overall stats, he is definitely Cy Young Award award worthy. Absolutely. So you got those four guys, plus the Astros can roll out just about anybody for their fifth starter. And you saw you saw what happened with the no with the no hitter earlier this year with Aaron Sanchez. They roll out anybody they want, and they have a phenomenal five five man rotation. So eighteen and one. If you have those four guys pitch against them every time. Uh, yeah, Cole, Verlander, Granky, and shoot, what's his name? It's the left-hander. Miley. Who's their fourth starter? Wade Miley. You got those four guys. That that's a pretty unstoppable I force. Mean, and eighteen and one is not that unrealistic for them. A nineteen and zero wouldn't have been unrealistic for those four. I mean, it is important to note that there's never been a season series in which one team beat another 18 times. So, and that happened twice this year. So that's it's pretty fun. But I mean, like going further in about these guys, like like Garrett Cole, there was 14 starts where he struck out 10 or more this year and walked one or less. Like, how do you do that? How do you become that dominant? That's super impressive. I mean, well, I mean, obviously, the the first thing to note on that is his spin rate on his curveball is one of the highest in MLB history and his fastball is 99 with and it's a running fastball a little bit of sauce that's the thing we need to note it's not a it's not a true four seamer it doesn't go straight 99 with sink (laughs) yes it's like a 99 mile per hour sinker essentially except for it doesn't instead of dropping it goes basically side to side dirty it's not fair he can start it on your hip and break it into the strike zone at 99 miles per hour where you're ducking out of the way thinking you're about to wear one in the butt, and all of a sudden you're struck out yeah, on the pitch. Yeah, and then GG, game over. I mean. Yeah, he's he's just electric. And it's sad because, I mean, you look at him in Pittsburgh, and we're like, dang, this guy is good. All of a sudden leaves Pittsburgh, goes to Houston, better. and he is on a different level. So much better, yeah. like, and this like is a guy There's something in the water down there. There's something that they're doing something different down there that whatever they're doing, everyone needs to figure it I out mean, and start doing that. Thinking about they have three starters this year with a sub one whip. How do you do that? Like Justin Verlander had a point eight whip. That is insane. I think the 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 lowest guy in the National League with whip was your boy Jack Flaherty, and he was a point nine seven. The Astros number three starter was .01 higher than with a .98, and that was Zach Granke. That is insane to think about. The fact that 
the best guy in the other league isn't even is is the isn't even he's like close a three starter. Yeah, he's, he's a three starter on that team. And he but might he wouldn't be. He'd be like a four, be three, four. <laughs> He'd be like the three, four on that team. That's in, that's just nuts to think about. That he they are all that good. And if I don't know this off the top of my head, but I'm pretty much sure that if you go look at even the American League side, that's probably one, two, three in whip for starters. I would imagine that it is. Um, this that team with those pitchers, it's going to be very hard for them to lose. I mean, I'll be it be it is possible for them to lose, but if I had money right now and I'd be putting it down on somebody, I'd be putting it down on Houston because how could you beat them? Well, think about it. In in the playoffs in general, you typically only use four of your starters. Yeah, and they could rotate their and and their four, four starters are all electric. <laughs> like you know, like they have Miley, and if they don't want Miley to go one day, and they want him to be in the bullpen, like they could put him in the bullpen and then just have Aaron Sanchez or something. They could just like or like rotate. Aaron Sanchez is done. Oh for yeah, the my year, bad. So he's not going to start my bad. anytime. Soon. They could still rotate their last <laughs> starters, so like they, they could have a guy in the bullpen at all times, like a starter in the bullpen, just in case anything gets weird. Like, most teams don't have a luxury of having, like, a three or four starter. Like, a, well, a two or three starter, technically, probably, at the end of the rotation, like, you know, Miley. It's yeah. pretty special. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's extremely special. And what I, I personally think they're going to end up doing is they're going to use the uh, – it's got to be Garrett Cole. It's got to be your number one if you're Houston. Like, I'm sorry, Justin Verlander is a stud, but it's got to be Garrett Cole. It's got to be your number one starter because then if you pitch him game one – and things get weird in game three, he can come in and close the game out on whatever it would be, two, three days rest. He can basically be your Madison Bumgarner. Think about it, though. and Because that's how good he is. Think about that. Like, just think about how crazy that is. You could do that with, like, you have three guys who are number one starters. Like, you put them on any other team, they're going to be starting the first game of the playoffs. And you could put them in the bullpen and be like, oh, yeah, they're just going to finish the game off. You know? And yeah, oh, I mean, all three of those guys, and, I mean, Wade Miley was a number two when he was with his last two club. I believe that was the Rangers. He was a number two, mm-hmm. which, I mean, Rangers. they had you Darvish at that point in time. So, number two behind you Darvish is not a bad spot to be. Exactly. Garrett Cole was the number one in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander was the number one in Detroit. Zach Greinke was the number one this year. In Arizona, I know. so all these guys number ones are have been number one or number twos, and now Zach Greinke is the number three starter, and Wade Miley is a number four. Wade Miley has never been a back half of the rotation guy his entire career mm-hmm. until he got to Houston. So I mean, those guys are just crazy. Yeah. Uh, the next guy I want to we're gonna go into next crazy stat, a uh, guy you mentioned earlier. Unfortunately, he missed the last, I believe it was six games with a with a groin issue. But Nicholas Castellanos. Your guy. I cannot rave about this guy enough. I love him. I'm hoping that the Cubs throw some money at him and get him to come back for next year. I'm pretty much sure he's going to want to. Maybe the maybe the Joe Madden thing might push him away. That's the only problem I see with this right now. Uh, but he, he loves it in Chicago, you can tell. Uh, 58 doubles this season. Two away from sitting the record for 60 home runs, which hasn't been done since 1936. And the only other guy to hit more doubles than Castellanos since that point in time was uh, Todd Helton with the Colorado Rockies back in 2000. 
So think about that real quick. So hitting 60 home runs doubles. is more rare oh, than hitting 60. Yeah. Is not as rare as hitting 60 doubles. There have been more instances of 60 home run seasons in the past, whatever, 80 years, just about 80 years, than there have been wow. 60 doubles. Wow. That is a stat. Jeez. Putting that through my head. So how good he really is, I mean. He just stays gap to gap. It's hard to beat because his mindset going into every at-bat is gap to gap. And think about and it. That's going to get you a lot of doubles. Like whenever he was traded to the Cubs at the deadline, it was kind of like one of those, oh, whatever moves. Like, where is he going to play? And then. Yeah, like, I plays. think the biggest the biggest issue a lot of people thought of when he got traded to the Cubs was, why, why'd they get him? They don't have a DH. <laughs> Literally. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, I see why they wanted Castellanos now. Yeah, they were. They saw something, and that something was obviously right. They were like, oh, yeah, this guy could probably hit a lot of doubles for us, a lot of home runs. So they're like, plug him in. They were obviously right. He was. If he would have been on their team the whole entire year, I think we, they would have had a couple more wins, and they probably could have made it. I think we're I – don't, I don't think the Cubs are sitting on their couch right now if he's on the team the entire year. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, even a month, another they, month with him. At least make. I think they at least make a, a push for a while. I think they're in the wild card at the very minimum. I don't. I honestly believe that that differential between the Cubs and the Cardinals, which what was it like ten games coming out of the first mm-hmm. half, uh, would have been closer to fifteen twenty. It would have been almost a runaway before the first half of the season was or was over. If you had Casiano's the entire year. And then, you know, the, the the falling apart would have happened as well. Yeah. But they would have been in the playoffs by the time they were falling apart, so it wouldn't have been as big of an issue. Yeah, they would have just lost in a wild card game, and it would have been whatever. <laughs> yeah, it would have looked exactly like last year. Yeah. You know, uh, looking at their little win probability scale during the year, you know, like they were like 94% or something at one point, and then they went, whoosh, hit rock bottom. Well, I mean, if you look at our Twitter page, there was a post between the the Cubs' uh, playoff percentage chances. They were at 76%, I believe, with just under three weeks left to go in the season. And all it did is, after that point was just drop like crazy until it was 0% with seven games left. Completely useless by September. That's what Cubs stands for. Pretty much. I mean, at least this year is what it stood for. So it stood for the last two years since they won the World Series. There's kind of been that hangover. It's, that's like long you hate hangover. to admit it, but it's been it's been a long hangover since that World Series. I honestly predicted that um, a couple years ago because I saw how much it meant to the city of Chicago for the Cubs to actually win it, and I saw how much it meant for the players. Like they were just so hyped. I was really happy for the Cubs, even though I'm a Cardinals fan. That's probably the only time I'll ever say that. I'll never say that if they win the World Series ever again, but. I was happy for them not to be losers like that bad anymore because it just kind of hurt to watch them lose that bad. But there's had to be a hangover because, like, what do you have to motivate you anymore? You're like, we want to be the first team in, like, 100 years to win this. We want to do this. We want to do that. But, like, after you win it, you're like, oh, we kind of achieved our goal. Like, where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, that – I understand the next year, and I don't – 
as a Cubs fan, the like the losing isn't the bad part because the Chicago Cubs have had plenty of very solid to above average baseball teams in the past and in the 100 and 100 plus years leading up to that World Series. Like that 2003 team, you know, the Bartman instant. <laughs> That team was one of the best teams in MLB. That team was one of the best teams in MLB history. You look at their number one, one, two starters. You had Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor as your top two pitchers. That is a deadly one-two combo at the top of your rotation, and they did they did nothing with it. What what they did was they got all the way down to six outs away from winning mm-hmm. the winning against the Marlins. Bartman gets in the way of Moises Alou. Who knows if that out really does make them win the game? Because you want, you still got to get whatever it was. I think at four, that point it would have been six more like outs. Four, yeah, I think it was four or five. One or two. I just know the next play was, went through the shortstop's legs, right? Yep, next play goes through the shortstop's legs. He didn't have anything to do with the ball going through the shortstop's legs. That's that's on, I think it was Garcia Parra would be the shortstop. I think that's who it would be in 2003. Uh, I, maybe. I I'm not sure on that one. I wasn't around. I, I know he was. I know he was there for a couple of years. At one but point. regardless, but. he pretty much got a scapegoat. Um, poor use of this goat, you know, thing because you know, Cubs. Well, Brad Ausmus is the scapegoat right now in Los Angeles. <laughs> Scapegoating is popular still. Um, it's extremely popular. Just gotta blame it on somebody else. Can't blame it on the team. Mm-mm. Wasn't wasn't his first house fault? The ball in between his legs. It was Bartman. It was Bartman. It's not. It's not the team's fault or the the injury's fault or the death of a pitcher's fault that the the Angels lost ninety games. It's on Osmus. Yeah, I mean, you could say that. Some would say. I mean, the only person you can't blame yeah. on the Angels is Mike Trout. You can't blame him. It's not his fault. He got hurt. It's not fault. He was carrying you can the team. Never blame Mike Trout for anything. <laughs> he was the only thing on the team worth of note. Like, I mean, everybody else is kind of, eh. but. Yeah. You could say, is that the coach's fault or is that the players? And I mean, like, I think it might have been the coach's fault, but I don't know. I don't watch the Angels enough I mean, to know. I guess but... we're, not, we're not in that locker room, so we don't really know what he's saying to the team, what's going on with everything. So I don't I don't know what to yeah. think. Obviously, there must have been something else. There's no way that a coach gets fired after one year no. when you've had so much stuff mm-hmm. happen if there isn't something else that that's unknown to the public. So that's kind of my prediction is something else happened inside the clubhouse, inside the dugout, inside the the organization as a whole, the front office, everything like that. Mm-hmm. But we just can't see that from where we are. Exactly. We'll never know. Um, but moving on to something that we will know, um, Christian Yelich and his win probability added. He had a 7.12. Um, a lot of people probably don't understand what that is. And it's calculated by baseball reference. So what that means, it pretty much measures how important – and how much this player impacted his team's chances of winning one game to the next game. So, Yelich had the highest one of the whole entire season. The second was Mike Trout at 5.2, and they both got injured, but Yelich's season got cut short at 130 games. But, this is the fourth highest of all times with 135 games or fewer. The only marks to be higher than that are Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, and Barry Bonds. So, good company to be in. Um, And doesn't usually get talked about as much as how great of a season he did have and how much he really bolstered the Brewers because the Brewers wouldn't have been in the playoffs if it wasn't for him. So, I mean, even though he was still injured, absolutely phenomenal what he did for the team and how he led them the, during the beginning half of the year. What do you think about that? 
Um, I think, I mean, I've, I've said this for since he got traded from Miami. I think Christian Yelich is a different maker on any team he's been on. I think even in Miami, like, he didn't notice it as much because, you know, it was Miami. They're not very good. But he's been a difference maker at every stage in his career. He is a phenomenal baseball player, and obviously he's going to always be able to make a difference on any team he's a part of. Uh, I I honestly, before looking at the stats, didn't realize he was this high. I didn't realize he was this high compared to players in history. I didn't, like, to be on this list, this is a very, very high list. Ted Williams uh, set, I believe he has holds the record for the highest batting average in a season. Correct. Mickey Mantle is one of the best catchers of all time. Outfielders. And Barry Bonds, just, you know, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, like. Obviously, you, you can see a little bit in there between the, that this was during the, his steroid use era, because you're not putting up a 797 as a, prim, primarily a base dealer, which is what he was before he started using steroids. Uh, but. I still defend him. That's though. a very esteemed list with the way that they all play baseball. You know, I'll still defend Barry Bonzo because I don't care if you're using steroids or not. If you can hit a baseball like how he hit a baseball, you're a darn good player. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not knocking Barry Bonds at all. I'm not knocking because to hit a baseball, steroids don't help you hit a baseball. You still have to have great hand-eye coordination. You have to hit the ball. You still have to be able to practice to square up a baseball to hit the ball that far. I could take steroids right now. Start taking steroids. All of a sudden, I'm jacked. I'm, what, 240, 250 pounds. I'm not going to be able to square up a baseball the way Barry Bonds did to hit it out of the park. No. It doesn't matter. This, the steroids, it does help you, but it doesn't help you enough you have talent. where anybody can take. You need to have the talent to hit a baseball before you take steroids for it to assist you. Exactly. I completely agree. And to think that Christian Yelich is doing this with – Hopefully, without the use of any supplements like that, I mean, you know, only legal supplements. I think that's pretty good, and I think that's really, really cool to see how he did that and see how he was just a little bit better than Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout doesn't have a good team, though, so he doesn't have the opportunities that Yelich had. So that's something worth noting in this because wins probability added is not war. It's not how much better he was like at his position. It's how many wins he added to his team. How important was he? So in the MVP race, maybe he's in consideration. I mean, personally, I don't know, but I think Belly wins. I mean, but for the for the National League, I feel like this will be. We'll just go jump right into this NL. We'll just go jump right into the NL MVP talk right now, but. I feel like he has to be at least in the conversation based on what he did. 130 games is not that crazy. Some, some players like play that much. Games to be playing. There's like there's a lot of players that don't play full 100 and, 162. There's players that don't play 162 game seasons. 95% of the MLB does not play every single game. Yeah. There are very few guys that actually play the entire season. So, I mean, obviously they got, like, rest days. They got days off. Uh, you kind of try to balance those days off with when you're going to give rest. Uh, one of the biggest examples I've seen is Anthony Rizzo is a guy that you kind of think of as an everyday first baseman for Chicago Cubs. In his season, when he played the most amount of baseball games in his career, 
I believe he played 155. So that means there's still seven games that he didn't play. Yep. And he's an everyday guy. And obviously in those 155, those are also including pinch pinch hit games where he has one at bat in the eighth or ninth inning in a close game and just comes in late. Yep. But I think he, in that 155 game season, I think he had like eight or nine of those. So realistically, he's only playing like 145 games at first base. That means that there's still another 17 that he set out, which over the course of five months is pretty pretty much what you want as a player. So uh, 130 games isn't like a crazy amount where you knock him down. I personally didn't think he was going to win in the NL side in the first place based on the uh, fact that there's one guy in the NL that has been insane this year, and that's Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Uh, but – I've always kind of pictured it, even to this point, it's kind of a one, two-man race between him and between Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. Uh, Rendon kind of turned it on as of late. I still don't think it was enough to push him over the top, but he'll be in the conversation at the very minimum. Yeah, um, completely agree. Um, now we can reposition ourselves and look at the AL MVP. And I won't say mine first. I'll let you say yours first, and then we can go from there. AL MVP. AL MVP. I'm going to completely flip what I've been saying from the past couple months. Okay, same. Months. Yeah, I'm not picking. I've been thinking Mike Trout for the last couple months, but he hasn't played in almost a month now, I believe. Mm-hmm. His team was nowhere near close to making a postseason push, mm-hmm. and he's not on the best team in baseball, which really gives away who I'm about to say. It's Alex Bregman. Okay, yeah. I think that he has to be your your AL Cy Young. I mean, MVP. he has been the one of the hottest players this past month. Uh, I believe there's he wasn't the AL Player of the Month this month. He was the AL Player of the Month last month. Stop. However, um, who was AL Player of the Month would be? I don't even know. But it was it wasn't Bregman. I don't believe. No, I don't believe it was. It was somebody else. AL Player of the Month was. I mean, like Simeon or something. But I just like I just know that like he had the eight point three WAR on the season. Like, come on, like you have to look at that. One hundred fourteen walks, which was the most in the AL. He had a four twenty on base percentage. He had a one sixty seven OPS plus. He had a one point oh one six OPS. Forty home runs, hundred nineteen runs scored, and one hundred ten RBIs. And I mean, he is an absolute stud. I mean, he's a fifth player in AL history to reach. 40 home runs, 110 walks, and 35 doubles with less than 90 Ks in a season. That tells you how good he has been this year. And he's still pretty young. And he's on the best team in baseball. So he should be the obvious pick. And I don't think there's anybody else you could really say now at this point. I mean, if Mike Trout played the rest of the year, I think Mike Trout's the guy because how could you say no to Mike Trout? Like, he's an absolute stud and he's a difference maker on his team. But Alex that That month really hurt Mike Trout. It did. That month really hurt him. Um, by the way, the AL Player of the Month is a guy we'll probably be talking about later just because the team he's on. It was Austin Meadows of oh, the yeah. Tampa Bay Rays. He's, he was a he was on fire this month. He's a big reason why they're in a wild card game. But definitely agree with what you're saying about Bregman. Just an absolute beast. Uh, kind of like whenever you think Houston, you obviously you think Correa, you think Altuve, you think the pitching rotation, but he's kind of been always that 
cornerstone guy. He's going to be the guy moving forward. He's going to be the face of the franchise. He's going to be the guy that puts up numbers every year for your team. Uh, he's going to be the guy that drives and runs. He's going to be your two, three hitter the rest of your, the rest of his career, more than likely. Um, I believe he, the guy that he always draws comparisons to, is one of the best Astros in history, and it's Biggio. Hmm. Except uh, I think he has more power. Who's, who's he has more pop than Biggio, but he plays the same position. He he hits the same. He, the only thing that's difference, the only big difference, is the home run total. True, but. I mean, Biggio was more of a double walk guy. He would hit a lot of doubles. He would walk a lot. But now you add the home run aspect into that, and and Biggio is a Hall of Famer. And we're sitting here talking about the fact that Alex Bregman is a better better player than him, which is scary to think about because you think he's only, what, 26? Mm, he's younger than that. He's like 23. He's only 20. No way. He's not 23. He is about of that age. I will look it up real quick. The Googles. 25. Sorry. 25. 25. I was close. He'll turn 26 next March. Yeah. So I'm closer. So he's turning 25 this March? No, he's turning 26 next oh, March. So he's still pretty young. I mean, he's about to hit the prime of his career, which looks like he's already hitting, but imagine him in a couple well, of years. prime of your career is he, he's still not even at his prime that he's doing this. Yeah. That's a scary thought. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and then we could just like skip right over into the Cy Young and say who we think is going to win that. I mean, it has to be Justin Verlander. I mean, you look at what he's done, 223 innings on the year with 300 Ks. I mean, the only person in competition with him is Garrett Cole. And I would understand that's why, why he won, I disagree with but you. That's where I disagree with you. I think it's going to be Garrett Cole. <sighs> I think Garrett Cole is your Cy Young Award winner in the American League side. I think the thing that sets and him apart is the, the whip. The only thing I feel like is holding him back is not even the whip. I think it's the wins. Because Verlander has a better whip. Cole has a better ERA. But they're playing for the same team. And Justin Verlander has won one more game than Garrett Cole has. I think that's the only reason why Garrett Cole would not be the Cy Young winner. But I think Garrett Cole is a better pitcher. Obviously, we talked about it earlier with that 14, 10, 10 strikeout, one walk games where he's just been kind of electric. And he's he. it's really hard for me personally to look at a team and say Garrett Cole is number one, but the number two is the Cy Young. So I think Garrett Cole is the Cy Young winner. I think what puts Justin over the top is the no hitter. I mean, that one, that one no hitter, I think is what does it for him. If he doesn't have that no hitter, he doesn't win it. But he has that one no hitter. He has that moment this season, so he's definitely winning it. Okay, well, agree to disagree. I guess we're gonna find out when the the final votes come out. I believe that'll be November. I believe they do after the season is all over. But it's still fun to talk about because the season's over now. The stats are in cement and they cannot be changed. So that's pretty fun. Yep. And then do you want to go jump right over to the NL side? Who do you who do you think? Who do I think? You know, I've had a lot of issues thinking about who is this. And, you know, like Steven Strasburg is leading the ESPN poll, but I have my own guy. I have a guy who I think we're both going before you say that. I just want to say I think both of our guys are not on this top 10 list. 
for the site. My guy is not on the top 10 list. Um, Neither is mine. He is an absolute stud. Um, I absolutely love him. And I think that he is worthy of it. He is a pass Young winner. And he has a 7.9 war on this year. 11 and 8. 2.43 ERA. He's just been stuck on a bad team. So you really can't. I think we have the same guy. I think we pegged the same guy who's not on this list. Like, yeah, like people are underrating him because of he's 11 and 8 on a bad team. Like, he's good. And his name is Jacob DeGrom. Yes. <laughs> he is an absolute stud. You look at everything, you look at his the war. The ERA, the whip. Everything. The only thing that he's lacking is the win-loss record. Yeah, literally. He is a difference maker. He is a stud. You look at his games pitched, I'm pretty much sure he has, what, 26 starts, 28 starts? He has 32. In that range. He has 32 starts. Correct. Okay, I thought it was dependable. than that. He some. is dependable. He is very dependable as well. But if you look at all of his starts, most of them, the Mets don't score more than a run yeah which really it's hard to pitch when your team can't score runs in general but i don't think that should knock him out of cy young contention i think he should be the winner based on everything that he does he has an insane amount of talent and he if you look at this list you look at the one guy that's not on the set i kind of thought you were leading towards oh. Uh, Jack, Flaherty, Jack Flaherty could get a bid too, but, but I don't think he will. I think I think that if you go down the list and you do the top five, I think it should be DeGrom, Strasburg, Ryu, Kershaw, Flaherty. I think that should be the top five. And if you go further than that, I think six is Soroka. I completely agree. Um, I mean, like, he had a comparable year to last year. Like, you look at DeGrom, like, he had, like, I mean, last year he had the 1.7 ERA. But that's kind of unsustainable after a while. But he still had a 2.43. And probably his defense wasn't nearly as good this year. And, you know, he gave up a little bit more on the home run side, which everybody did. So that kind of accounts for it right there in itself. But he's the same pitcher. He had more strikeouts per nine. And he really didn't walk. He walked the same amount of guys, which is 1.9 per nine. He's literally the same pitcher again. And the only thing he did is allow a couple more home runs which really accounted for his ERA. So, I mean, you look at it at the end of the day, I think he's Cy Young. Yes, I totally agree. And uh, he's not a playoff contender team, which kind of really hurts where we're going with after this. It would have been easier to go NL than AL, so we could just jump right into the playoffs, but we're going to do that anyways. Let's go jump into the playoffs, and obviously let's just go ahead and start with wild card weekend, and then we'll just kind of work into the, the DSs real quick, and then we'll – give our world series predictions and we'll go from there absolutely um you know we'll do a little recap of the season just so you know like everybody knows how a co- close a couple teams were to really getting in there and being competitive like the cubs you know, i mean i mean they were seven games out of the actual contention of the nl central and five games out of the wild card like they were right there and in the last 10 they were two and eight so yeah they were literally right there and it easily could have been them instead of Milwaukee because you could have flipped that. And the Cardinals, if they would have beat the Cardinals a couple games, the Milwaukee would have won the Central, and then it would have been bad in the middle. It could have been a lot of different people. And also Arizona had a pretty nice season this year as well. You know, there's a lot of teams. Four games at a wild card contention. Pretty surprising. And the other one stat that I had was in the AL, there were six teams to finish above 90 wins. And there's also six teams 
to finish with 90 losses. Yeah, I noticed that. I mean, you hate to see, like, you hate to claim tanking. Like, those six teams just losing on purpose because, I mean, I don't think any team in baseball has kind of ever been like that where it's just kind of throwing games. And it's really hard to throw a baseball game, I feel like. Uh, for reasons other than money, obviously. We don't, we don't need to talk about the Chicago Black Sox. But I don't think that's a situation that was happening this year. I think it's just the the American League talent level is different between the top half and the bottom half, and that's why you see that. True. Um, I completely agree. Um, you know, and now I am about to make my bold predictions for these playoffs right here. Um, you can also see these on Twitter, but you're going to get these in-depth here right now, and this is exactly how I see it. So I'm going to start with the NL wildcard game, and I think the Nationals have to win that one because of Scherzer. That No other thing is going to make Milwaukee win, Scherzer wins. And we go on to the next game there, and we look at that. I think that L.A. wins. Obviously, they have to. And I think the Cardinals win. Um, I may be a homer right now, but I still think the Cardinals beat the Braves. I think the Cardinals have that little bit of magic. And then I think the Dodgers finally beat the Cardinals in the postseason, and they make the um, World Series once again. And then when I go to the other side, we have Tampa and the A's. And I think the A's are going to have a little bit of magic in them this year, but they're going to win and then fall short to the Houston Astros. I mean, who wouldn't? And then after that, here is my bold prediction of the whole entire postseason. The Twins beat the Yankees. I think this is going to be a very good series, and it's come out to five games, but the Twins are going to win, and it's going to be a Twins and Houston Astro ALCS. And I think that series goes into six games, and you're going to have Houston win it. So you're going to have a Houston Dodgers World Series all over again. And it's just going to be fantastic because Houston is going to win four games. It is going to be 4 nothing Houston, and they will be World Series champions. All right, well, I'll just go open to mine. Uh, I disagree with you on quite a few state statements you made right there. Uh, first off, I'm going to start on the American League side uh, with the wild card game. I think Tampa beats Oakland. Oh, wow. Just because I think on the basis of one thing, I think they're going to start Charlie Morton, and that is a tough matchup for any team. Uh-huh. And Oakland doesn't really have that starter that can match Charlie Morton yeah. in my mind. So I think that Tampa, Tampa comes out, and he just throws a gem. I think if, if things go south – they go to Blake Snell out of the bullpen instead of throwing an actual bullpen pitcher just to push themselves into the DS. I think they they obviously lose to Houston. I 100% agree. Bold prediction. Minnesota's going to the American League's uh, ALCS. Absolutely. But I think they fall short there. I think Houston moves on. Uh, we fell up over to the National League side. I think Milwaukee has just been the hottest team in baseball right now. And I think somehow they find a way to go in and take down Scherzer in his palace. I think they do it. And I think even a step further than that, I think they find a way to knock the Dodgers out of the playoffs as well. Uh, then they fall short in the NLCS to the team that wins the other side, which will be the Atlanta Braves. And then the Braves find a way to take Houston to game, game six. Miley will start one. We'll start game four or lose that one, I believe. And I think – Somehow they'll find a way to beat Garrett Cole. It'll be Mike Soroka versus Garrett Cole game five. 
Soroka finds a way to win that, and then they fall short during Game 6. So I think, like you said, Houston wins the World Series again. You know, we have the same champion, so it has to happen now. It has been foretold in the prophecies that Houston will win again. Well, I mean, Houston's just a different team. They're a different animal. That rotation is way too good to have to deal with. I completely agree, and I think that, you know, Ryu not being nearly as good on, like, the Dodgers, at least from my perspective, in the World Series, like, they're not going to win, and they have enough magic for me in my circumstance, but I think, you know, the Braves are also a very good team, so I could see them doing it, but I think the Cardinals got the magic, you know? I think they got the magic, and we'll see. These will all be up on Twitter for us to be criticized, because why not, you know? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm open to whatever you guys want. You guys can definitely pitch in out there on Twitter as well. Laugh at um, us. I believe. I think Tuesday is going to be my day. I'll be live streaming the game on Tuesday night. The The Brewers-Nationals game will be my my takes. And I think Logan will probably take care of Wednesday night uh, for the American League side. Absolutely. And I will also be watching a couple Cardinals games, you know, obviously, because I mean, I'm a Cardinals fan. But I'll be also live tweeting with those, and we can get a discussion going on, talk about that. Um, we can talk about how good the Cardinals are and how bad the Braves are. Um, you know, especially when the Cardinals are winning by 10 runs, you know, obviously we can talk about that, but I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> but if it does, I'll be there for it. So make sure you tune in and check that out for us. Yep. Uh, well, let's go ahead. Obviously you hear more about this. I'll talk about my Tuesday game real quick. Logan, you talk about the Wednesday game. Uh, starting pitchers for the Brewers will be Brandon Woodruff during the uh, National League wild card for the Nationals. It's going to be obviously Max Scherzer. Who else would you want on the mound? Uh, Woodruff's been pretty solid uh, in his four, in his postseason appearances. He's had four of them. He's had a 219 ERA, and it's kind of been a swingman where he's been a starter, and he's also been a reliever in times. Uh, very solid last year. That's where he was last year. Um, the biggest problem for the Brewers, obviously, Christian Yelich is out. Don't really need to talk more about Scherzer, but Yelich is out. Ryan Braun's injured, but should be expected to be playing. And I think the biggest matchup will be if the top four Milwaukee hitters who have been horrible against Scherzer can find a way to turn it on as of late. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Nonetheless, everybody knows who I think is going to win. I mean, obviously, you got Scherzer on the mound. So that's going to be a great game. And it's going to be probably like one to two, two to one, three to four. Three to one, something around there, where you're going to see one team coming over the top just with a home run or something. So it's going to be really interesting to see. But for my game, the guy that you mentioned, Charlie Morton, is going to be on the mound, and he's a very tough guy to face. But I think the A's got what it takes. You know, if I was them, I'd put out Mike Fires or something, or just send him out there, send him out there with some crazy beard, and let's just let him have it. But you know, the A's are in the AL wild card for the second straight year, so hopefully they can. Get some magic going, because I would love to see the A's win a couple games out here, and I think that'd be pretty fun. Um, but, you know, Charlie Morton, he has the DNA to be a postseason starter. I mean, he closed out Game 7 of the 2017 World Series for the Astros. He is a very, very good pitcher, and he's something that we're going to have to watch very, very closely. Although the Rays are missing a few key pieces, you know, with Jose Alvarado and Yandy Diaz uh, just getting back. Um, but they're missing a few key pieces, but it should be okay for them. And they should have a lot of really good chances to really win this game. It's just going to come down to who pitches better. And, you know, you said Charlie Morton's a pretty good pitcher. That's the only reason I almost took the Rays. Almost. But 
I'm counting on the A's. I like this matchup, though. This is a great matchup for baseball in general and kind of supporting some of the smaller teams out there and really trying to show what baseball has. No, I agree entirely with everything you just said. Uh, Like you said earlier with the whole Charlie Morton thing, obviously kind of big prediction for me in general. I love Charlie Morton. I think he's not going to run into a problem until he has to face his old team, obviously. Oh, yeah. But definitely going to be a very much fun game to watch. And even though you're going to be live tweeting it, there's a very good chance I'll be watching it as well. I mean, you're welcome to live tweet with me. And everybody who's listening can live tweet with us. Just make sure, you know, and just let us know. Because we're making our bold predictions, and we want to know how wrong we are. I would yeah, absolutely if, love if that. you think I'm an idiot, I want you to let me know why. And go on and, and let, let us know what you think in general. I mean, and we'll mention you on the podcast, we love, we which I mean kind of leads into our next segment here. You know, some of the people who let into our uh, posts that we put online about the most hated players. And I, I thought this was a pretty good, you know, section right here because there's a lot of people mentioning a lot of different things. I'll let uh, Jacob take one of them because I know he really wants to talk about one. But I'll talk about one. Uh, one guy, uh, Andy Patton, said that Sean Figgins is his most hated player of all time. You know, just the Mariners overpaid for him. You know, still gets ignited about it. I, you know what? I respect that. One player who I hate, who I passionately hate, but I don't hate nearly as much anymore, but I passionately hate, is Jason Hayward. You know, for a little bit there, I hated him a lot, uh, you know, obviously because he went to the Cardinals and he didn't sign. We traded a lot for him. I mean, Shelby Miller was a lot back in the day. Um, sounded old saying back in the day, but, you know, traded him and he kind of just left us for the Cubs. But I guess, you know, Dexter Fowler did the same thing. I hated him for a little while. Um, and it's just kind of weird. Um, another person who I did hate for a little bit was Albert Pujols, as sad as I am to mention it, but it's kind of gone off for a little while now because the hurt's away. Um, and I'm just happy for him and, you know, wish him the best in this Hall of Fame career. I wish he would have stayed with the Cardinals to get his statue outside the stadium. But, you know, sometimes it do be like that and you don't get what you always want. But those are some of mine. Yeah. But I'll let you say yeah, the agree. two that you really want to say. Well, I mean, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to first say players that I hate. Uh, a guy that I, I've i always loved. Loved him as a Cub. Loved him his entire career leading up to being a Cub. Uh, that's Jake Arrieta. Loved Jake Arrieta. And it hurt a lot when he signed with Philadelphia instead of the Cubs. That was very painful and kind of made me hate him for a while. But uh, as the shirt I have in my closet right now says, I miss Jake. And I wish he was back. But that's the kind of gonna guy I've always hated. And another guy, I'm sure you're not gonna like this one. I hate Yadier Molina. Oh. Just kinda cocky. I mean especially with that whole incident last week when he got hit by a pitch by Cole Hamels. There was no intent with that. You're just being a you're just being a, a jerk for no reason. That was unnecessary, the whole trying to charge him out and stuff like that. You saw Cole Hamels throw the bell, turns around says a word that I'm not going to say right now in the air, and then goes to get the ball, start the next pitch, and all of a sudden Yadier Molina is chirping him while he's running down the line. That's unnecessary, and it, it, it really did spark a fire in me where I don't like it when people do that in general. And then the third guy I really hate is Ryan Braun just because of the whole uh, the whole testing thing where it was, he got 
suspended and then unsuspended because of an improper test, and then all of a sudden he magically passes. We all know he's taking steroids. If you if you fail a test, there's no way that he wasn't. He found a way to cheat the test. So I don't like that guy either. Um, and then two tweets. I'm going to start with the first one. It is one of my buddies from back home, Ryan Litovitz, tweeted that at us that the players that he hates is any Cardinals player who hits 200, 220 all season, and then as soon as they start playing the Cubs, is batting 350-plus. Obviously, I agree with him. That's That's ridiculous, the fact that there are a ton of guys on the Cardinals that just kind of didn't look great all year, except for when they played the Chicago Cubs, which is just ridiculous. And then we'll look at the other one. Um, Terry Hennessy, my dad, tweeted that about Pedro Strope and the whole hat situation where he even said, Pedro Strope, maybe if you fix your hat, you could pitch better, which I totally agree with because he was horrible this year and kind of an embarrassment to watch at points in time with uh, the whole – being a closer, setup man, whatever you want to call him, he was just struggling all the time. And I saw this tweet and I started cracking up because just thinking about it, like, he's right. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how he throws and his hat's, like, hanging off to the side of his head a little bit. It's it's irritating to watch. I don't hate him, though. Um, I don't understand why you hate Yadier Molina. He's the best catcher. Of the last, like, 15, 20 years. Good catcher, bad person. I don't like him as a person. I love him as a person because, like, if you make him mad, he gets so fired up. But he's, like, the chillest guy in the world. Like, whenever he runs out in the field, like, doesn't care that the fans are, like, all cheering for him. He's just like, yeah, I know I'm pretty good. Like, so I understand why you think the cocky thing, like, that makes sense. But he just, like, goes out there with the swagger, and he knows he's good. I like his confidence. And I like the way he handles the Cardinals pitching staff. Like, I mean, he's just an absolute stud. And he just knows what he's doing. And if you know what you're doing, you know what? Let the haters hate. Because, I mean, we got more rings than the Cubs right now. So, I mean, he, you know, I really don't care. All right. The only thing I can give you is – the only thing I'll give you with Yachty is he handles this pitching staff well. He does, That's it. yeah. That's the only thing I'll give you, too. That's the only thing I'll give you with. He's, he's become a decent hitting catcher. That's one thing I would say about him too. Like when he came up, he wasn't really that good of a hitter, like hitter. But I mean, like even Tony Larusa said, you know, like, I'm gonna start him no matter what, even if he goes like 0 for 300 on the year. Like, he was that good. Like he's he's the kind of guy who you want out there every single game, and he obviously has a passion for baseball, and I respect the crap out of that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, also, I would like to mention Litovitz also posted another guy. He tweeted us another guy. Milton Bradley. He just said he hates Milton Bradley. Didn't really give a reason why, but I feel like it's. I kind of. Yeah, agree. I mean, like Milton Bradley. It's kind of guy you hate. Like, <laughs> it's it's Milton Bradley. There really doesn't need to be an explanation. It's just Milton Bradley. Like he hates Milton Bradley as well. It's kind of like AJ Przinsky. Like, also, I hate that guy. Like, oh, I hate I hate Przinsky, and even as a Cubs fan, I hated Barrett as well. Oh yeah. Ah, oh, just. Why? Another why are you guy. Oh, oh, here we game? go. We're gonna pull something Ooh. out of the cookie jar. Who I just thought of. Who I absolutely hated as a child. I remember I always made fun of him. Um, Carlos Zambrano. Oh, he's with the Chicago Dogs now too. I know. Um, he. <laughs> I mean, I hated him more so for the fact that he was just punishing poor, poor like water coolers. Like they didn't do anything to him. Hey, he won that he fight. Would, he won that fight every single time. 
It's like the Sean Rodriguez thing, but he, but like Zambrano would go in that dugout. He wasn't aiming for anybody else. He had eyes for one thing, and it was a water cooler. If I was a water cooler, I would hate that man. I'd just be like, keep him away from me. Don't let him touch me. And he would just go in there and just knock it out every single time. Maybe if he had that much attention and like targeting whenever he would like pitch, maybe he would have been a lot better. But like, no, he only had it for the water coolers. He was still really good. He was still a very good pitcher. at times. Uh, he would have been Hall of Fame had he had the same amount of attention on his pitching as the water coolers. But he was a very solid starter for the Chicago Cubs for years. He was. He definitely was. <laughs> All right. I think I think we're about done with this episode, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, make sure you guys all come out and visit our website, Dingerball. You can read about all the in-depth analysis like I tell you every week. Uh, follow our Instagram page, which is Dingerball. Follow our Twitter account, which is DingerballPod1. Obviously, this is where we'll be live tweeting from. You'll get to listen to a lot of what me and Logan have to say over this next couple of weeks with the whole playoffs coming up. We're going to be live tweeting just about every game we can get our hands on. Uh, And also, make sure you like and subscribe all of our pages. It really helps us out. Uh, We've got Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. And you know what? If you guys find more that we're on that we don't know about, let us know on Twitter as well. I mean, we're interested, but we're on a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of different ways you guys listen to us, and we really appreciate you guys all being out here. Uh, been a lot of fun these past 10 weeks. We hope to keep it going. Absolutely. Until next time. They can't see you, Logan.